Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Perfect general. <laughs> we will we will be talking about that. And uh, your co-host, Spaz. Hello. And uh, we're not sure where Hunter is. Um, hopefully, he'll show up at some point. Um, but we do have a guest this week joining us from... Genesee, Colorado. Did I say that right? Genesee? Yeah, Genesee. Genesee. Uh, uh, game developer and current professor of practice at the Colorado School of Mines, Mark Baldwin. Hi, Mark. Hi, how are y'all doing? Fantastic. Thank you for asking. Now, uh, before we get started about gaming, I have to ask, what is a professor of practice? This is a way for major universities to bring in people who don't have doctorates. I don't have a doctorate. Because of my experience over the years and lots of years, they uh, fit me in as a professor of practice. Okay. And what do you teach there? Science and and games. You, oh, you teach games. Brought into uh, Colorado School of Mines to teach a games class. Then they taught, had me teaching uh, data structures. And finally, they made me this. This was all adjunct work. And finally, they made me full time as a professor of practice. That's awesome. So uh, what are some of the do you like have students create their own games or do you use other games as an example as examples? In your class? Actually run them through a game engine and uh, some coding of games as well, although it's simple games. In other words, I, I'm the games class is a survey class for seniors in computer science. So I'm trying to touch on all aspects of computer games, not just one aspect of it. I do have them create a game, though, through a whole production cycle um, in Game Maker. That is, that is pretty awesome. Uh, so congratulations on that. I mean, that sounds like a kind of a dream gig, honestly. Like, if you're good enough at something, you teach it. That sounds kind of great, actually. <laughs> I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> My retirement job, really. Um, I just turned 65 this year. Um, all sorts of different stuff, consulting to the industry, doing some teaching as adjunct, um, working on various projects and so on. And now I've cleaned up almost all of that. I might do a little consulting still, but working full time. That's pretty awesome. Um, So the reason uh, we asked you here is because uh, after uh, we had Trevor on the show a little while back to talk about Starfleet, he's like, you got to get Mark on because he's a real interesting guy and he can give you another perspective as to not only the Starfleet games, which we're huge fans of, uh, but Empire and Perfect General as well. Um, so we, uh, we we love those games. And those are actually uh, some of the first uh, war games I ever played back in the early 90s. Um, so yeah, I think the fir- one, of th- one of the first uh, war games I played was Empire 2. Uh, so, so I... Fu- 
and Empire Two was maybe was less than satisfactory on my from my point of view. Oh, why is that? I didn't quite get the feel of gameplay I really wanted out of that. A lot of new ideas, and to me, those the pieces for the new ideas they were all good, but they just didn't mesh per- perfectly. Well, I played um, both Empire Deluxe and Empire Two the other day to make a, a background video for this uh, for the show, and I noticed because I didn't really play the first Empire, I just played Empire Two, and I noticed they played they do play quite differently. Like in, in Empire Deluxe, your goal is to take over these cities on the map, while in Empire Two, the goal is whatever the scenario uh, dictates. Yeah. like uh, Empire Two is basically I tried to do. A, a war game construction set which would cover warfare to sci-fi warfare and everything in between. Yeah, and uh, the version I was playing had like um, some fantasy scenarios, a steam, I think it was a steampunk scenario, uh, some more sci-fi scenarios, so it had a wide range of scenarios. But Empire Deluxe was a much more streamlined affair with uh, with a map and armies and cities. It, did you prefer yeah. Did you prefer that more streamlined uh, affair of the first two Empire games more than Empire Two? Empire to me and Empire Deluxe, which is not eighty percent the same game or whatever system. So it worked very well. All the pieces worked well with each other. Um, Empire 2 was, again, exploration with new ideas. Tried to bite off a very big chunk with Empire 2, and I was never quite happy with that chunk I bit off. Now, other people liked it fine. I just didn't. Yeah, I I really enjoyed myself playing both uh, the Deluxe and uh, Empire 2. And speaking of Deluxe, uh, you're aware, I'm sure you're aware of that Kickstarter that just happened, right? Oh, God, did I cut out again? I cut out again. I'm sorry. Um, Yeah, we seem to be having some issues with Discord tonight, folks. Let me switch servers again. One second. Okay, we have switched servers. Hopefully that'll take care of uh, whatever issues we're having. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I seem to... I don't know if it's something on my end or what. But uh, no, I was asking if you were aware of the Empire uh, Combined Edition uh, that just uh, ended yesterday. Yes. I even gave him 100 bucks on that. Nice! That's awesome. I gave him 50 my own self because I want... All of the games, and uh, I think that was the level where you get all four things. So I'm very excited to finally have copies of those. Um, I sold, or actually, uh, me and my partner sold Empire uh, Deluxe to uh, Mark Kincaid, oh, 10, 15 years ago or whatever, and he's kept it alive, which I've really appreciated. Giving him the money on that. It's... 
it's amazing how gamers can keep games alive. Like we were playing over the weekend. We were playing over the weekend um, a, a game from 2002 called Earth and Beyond that only lasted a year or two, but fans are keeping it alive uh, through emulation. So that is, mm-hmm. pretty, that is pretty awesome. I think my problem is my push-to-talk system. I'm going to just take that off. So y'all, so y'all are going to hear me. Uh, y'all are going to hear me type and now and stuff. And now I apologize for that, but I might be having issues with the thing I was using to do the push to talk, and so that's a little pedal I was using. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I'm always excited to see these old games uh, still alive and kicking, like um, like this, like Perfect General, like what's that other one, Lost Admiral, that's still kicking around. I actually, if Lost Admiral is still kicking around, I'd like to play it again. That was not me. Right, right. It was somebody else. But I'm just, I'm just using that as another example, um, because uh, that was pretty, that was pretty great. And I think it's the Lost Admiral Returns uh, is what is the version that's still kicking around right now. Um, Could be, yeah. But uh, that that is awesome that uh, you you not only sold the rights but you sold it to someone who apparently uh, loves the game so much that they've kept it going for over a decade. Because yeah, I read on the Killer Bee Software website you sold them the rights in the early two thousands, two thousand two, I think. I was thinking it was later than that, but I could be wrong. I was thinking maybe two thousand and six or something like that. But I'd have to look at my records to find out for sure. It's totally possible. Uh, but I, want, I do want to talk about Empire and the Perfect General more, but since we're a space game blog uh, podcast thing, I, I want to talk about the Starfleet series first, if that's okay. Um, Certainly. So you and Trevor uh, worked on, I believe, three games in the... St- well, let me clarify something first. Is the Empire series in the same universe as the Starfleet games? I was never quite clear on that. We forced it into the Starfleet universe. Oh, really? <laughs> the kludge into the Starfleet universe. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when we were get preparing Empire for publication and so on, we had already I had already done work on Starfleet One and Starfleet Two at Starfleet Two at that time, but. The whole Interstell, I mean, Interstell had the sci-fi name even. And so the idea was proposed, I don't know by who, that Empire should be part of the Starfleet universe. So it was a last-minute imposition, shall we say, <laughs> as we were writing the manuals and so on. Uh, okay, because, yeah, it... it it never really felt like it was like, but th- and it's kind of funny because then the third game in the Starfleet series, which was um, uh, not Star Raiders. What was that one called? Uh, the ground combat one. What was? Oh God. Um, and you just blanked out my name, my, the name myself. I should know my own games. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh God. Hang on. I'm gonna look it up. Oh no. I'm such a I'm such a fool, you guys. Uh, hang on, uh, it's not Star Crusader. What the hell is it called? Um, but yeah, the third game was kind of Empire-ish because you took the 
the ground combat portion of Starfleet 2 uh, and kind of made it its own game in Star Legions. That's what it was called, Star Legions. Oh, my God. I remembered it. <sighs> combat for Starfleet 2. Right. Now, Starfleet 2 released and so on. We were kicking around and we decided, well, Star- we could actually take the ground game and make it a separate game. Yeah, Hold it th- out, rewrote it, redesigned it, and did Star Legions. Yeah, I, I honestly admit that's probably why I didn't play it at the time, because I was only interested in stuff with spaceships for a very long time. <laughs> and so I played Starfleet 1 and 2, but ground stuff, <laughs> I didn't start caring about that till later. I'll be perfectly honest. But I still had spatial bombardments and so on in Star Legions. Which is which is awesome because there aren't a lot of games that have orbital bombardment, you know. It's uh, and so that that was pretty great, I have to admit. But uh, the, I played a lot of, especially the first Starfleet, the War Begins, because mm-hmm. you, you guys took what was um, a tried and true formula because there had been other ASCII style games like that, Star Trek, Trek seventy three. And and you guys refined it and made it something that even a uh, an eleven uh, year old like me could play. <laughs> and, it worked out pretty well. Yeah. So how did you guys come to uh, to making the first Starfleet game? Well, that was Trevor, not me. Oh, okay. I was brought into other uh, platforms. Oh, I didn't okay. Write the original Starfleet one. Oh, okay. Yeah, because it was on like eight plat. Because there were more platforms at the time, but there was like on every platform back then. It was like on the Commodore and the Atari and the. Yeah, and we had to rewrite them from scratch almost for each platform. Now I do remember I threw in some added features for the versions I did. Oh, like what? And such. I knew you'd ask that. I don't remember. Oh no! <laughs> it has been a long time. <laughs> But did you so did you work more directly on Starfleet 2 then? I was um well with Starfleet 2 I wrote all of the ground combat for Starfleet 2 and oh, actually wow. that's what I was in for I worked on other stuff and then there was the big disaster right before publication. Wait what um, did, wait what disaster? What happened? Uh-oh. Well, the product was supposedly ready for printing. Vacation. Right. And major bugs showed up. Oh no. And we and so they called me up and said you need to fix this and I said I don't even have the full source code for it. Oh no. They had to run around because they couldn't get a hold of Trevor. Eventually oh. it was not um, I obtained everything I needed. I chased down the major bugs, which had just cropped up right before publication, and we still got it out. Oh, geez, that sounds. But it was. I, but wasn't it dinged for bugs even after release? Like it got a major patch, like after the fact, if I recall correctly. But I recall pub- gaming publications at the time dinging it. Um, because 
be um, because it was a uh, because it was buggy. Uh, I didn't really play it much. At the- Our quality assurance methodologies were rather poor at that time. Oh no! Oh, oh well, it did get patched, and I've been um, I've been playing it, and I gotta say, it is still how it's almost twenty years. It came out in what eighty nine, right? I think. Um, that sounds about right. Yeah, it's still one of the most ambitious space games I've ever played. Like, there there are very few other games that model systems to the fidelity, both on the ground and in in space, that that game does. So, well done. (laughs) Actually, that explains some of the bugs. We were pushing the capabilities of those machines at the time. Oh, God, I bet. very complex piece of software. Yeah, it was it was really complex. Like I've got the manual. I actually got a box copy because I wanted a printed copy of the manual uh, and the tutorial stuff. And the manual is just one of the best. I'll be honest, one of the best manuals I've ever read. But it is also so dense. <laughs> it is so dense with information because the game is dense with information. It like. It's amazing how much stuff is in this game. Like, and I mean, you don't have manuals much anymore in games. No. But back in those days, we did create fairly heavy-duty manuals, mm-hmm. and there was even a marketing reason for it. Oh, what was the marketing reason? Well, because people would have the box, and that's the. Mark, you might because people in the oh. people in the store would heft the box and just be like, "Well, that's a heavy box. I'll buy it." Yeah, Mark, you're kind of Mark. Exactly. I think you're, you're cutting out. You might need to get closer to the microphone, maybe a little bit, because you're kind of cutting out a little bit. Um, um, yes, exactly. The weight of the box. People associated value with weight. Really? <laughs> you know what? Thinking back on it, I would always pick up boxes and go, "Ooh." There's a lot of stuff in here. <laughs> well, if you've looked in the indie section on Steam, there's a lot of bricks that are on there. Uh, so it kind of still. <laughs> like, uh, Mark, did you ever play the uh, Rules of Engagement games? And with soft. Uh, sounds familiar. I don't remember it. They were also uh, Starship simulators. And. Um, they were very detailed. Their interfaces looked like right out of Star Trek The Next Generation. And mm. uh, they had manuals just as thick as this. Like, like this is such an impressive manual. <laughs> so Rules of Engagement was the ones that actually integrated with the game Breach, right? Yeah, that was, that's, a, that's a different thing. Yeah, but they did uh, Rules of Engagement 1 integrated with Breach 2. And then Rules of Engagement 2 integrated with Breach 3. That's not confusing. <laughs> I know. I know. And not every scenario used it. Like, the scenario had to be specifically designed to have that link. I believe they called it the IGS. Like, something inter-game in- system or interlocking game system or something like that. Why do I remember that? Uh, <laughs> but, um... But, uh... It's a very vague memory on my part. <laughs> right. But, um... So you did the ground combat stuff, which uh, was 
really for the time because there were you know there were ground war games you know SSI had been doing their thing but there there was really never a mix of the ground and the space to this extent especially I mean you may have had some like adventure games like Starflight or uh, and whatnot but um, you guys had Planet Territorial Conquest was that like it felt like it was almost two games bolted together. Is that accurate, or were they were they actually like one code base? Because it, it and that, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It just felt like they, they felt very distinct. You know what I mean? It was two designers. I was the designer of the land game. Trevor was the designer of the space, space game. So that's probably what you were seeing. Oh. Wow, that's that's kind yeah, so, of amazing. So right right around the same time, they had like uh, Sun Tzu's Ancient Art of War. I, I forget who made that. Uh, that's, micro that's Microprose, like, I believe that was yeah. Microprose. Not that was EA. Yeah, I'm not sure which I'm, one it was. It, sure. It's just it's notable just that that's the first game that I remember, like uh, on PC. You know, because it's like I, I had a Commodore and I had an Atari and, and that, but like the first PC game that I ever got hands on was Ancient Art of War on a green, uh, black and green Hercules graphics card. Oh, man. Now, yeah. one, one thing I would point out is that's probably one of the first RTS games ever made. Oh, The Art of War? Yeah. Oh. No. Oh. That's not Oh, Star Legions! I, I again, I've still. I'm sorry, I still haven't played it. <laughs> well, you I'm know, that's to. actually. I'm going. There's to, a but. that kind of links to a conversation we had the other night, um, because I, I'm kind of thinking, like, as far as the legitimate RTS games, um, you know, the ones that we remember as as like you know, build a base and then recruit a bunch of tanks and and stuff, um, like Dune Two. You know, Herzog's Way came before that, but Dune Two, I think, is the one that that got the formula. Um, but that actually reminded me a lot of Empire. Whenever I got to mess with there's flavors um, of that. You know. And then with um, Star Legions, I used uh, basically real time movement and so on, which is one of the foundations of the RTS game systems. In other words, give orders while the clock is ticking and units are moving. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if uh, if the designers of you know that stuff like Westwood from back in the day, I wonder um, if they would admit to the influence. You know, it's like, oh yeah, we played that and then made this. Well, all art is bit art. Say again. And so we're all influenced as game designers from everything we've experienced as game designers in the past, and so on. Right. So there's a lot of this influence always going on. No, that makes sense. But I mean, it's a little different back in this era because this was game this was gaming's infancy. You know, so there was a lot of stuff that was like that originated from this time period. Yeah, you know? but we were still from board game designs before that. Oh, that's true. That's true. I didn't think of that. I always forget about board games. I'll be honest. I always forget about board games. 
did, what were a lot of your designs? You. Yeah, you do. Sorry, yeah, you do. Uh, were a lot of were, were was your were your designs uh, influenced by board games? Oh, most certainly. I was playing war games since I was eight or ten years old. Wow. And um, what first game I ever had published was a set of rules for miniatures when I was about 16 years old. Wait, what? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what was that called? Um, let's see. Uh, Lensman. It was actually based on a set of novels by E.E. Doc Smith. The Lensman novels? Really? Oh, my God. I think I read one of those as a kid. It's been so long. Wow. I had a space miniatures game based on the combat combat described in the Linsman novels. That is that that and you were and you did that at sixteen and it was published. Jeez. So so what got you into uh, what got you into computer games then? If you if you had this board game background, what what got you was did you see that was like the next thing? Or, or was did something else bring you into computer gaming? Yeah, um, for a just accumulation of a number of factors. I mean, I was a game designer and paper games and so on. I loved playing games. I was a nerd. Okay, that's one factor. Sure. Another factor is my degree, where I was. It was engineering degree, but was systems engineering and modeling. All computer game is is a computer model of something. Functional tools for computer programming. Um, then the the PCs came out, and being the nerd I was, I bought a t- PC and started writing stuff for it as much as possible. Um, mm. Then there was Dell. These were friends of mine at uh, NASA. Oh, uh, they, and they needed product and they needed converters and so on. So they hit me over the head and I was started working <laughs> for them. <laughs> of a number of different aspects. Oh, okay. That's, that's pretty awesome. And that's led to a fairly lengthy career from what we've seen. Um, you, I mean, we were looking at, uh, on a couple of sources, we're looking at all the games you've worked on, and it's kind of all over the map. I mean, you've worked on the Starfleet and Empire games, but also there were some racing games and uh, some uh, some other real-time strategy games. We definitely want to talk to you about Metal Fatigue, by the way. Uh, okay. Uh, we saw that came up. Spaz especially is a fan of that game. That's Very the one with so. the robots and the islands and stuff okay yeah which i absolutely cannot get to run on a modern pc oh no ask if anyone can get it to run (laughs) yeah it's i can get it almost to run but some of the textures like turn inside out uh, i'll send you you a link it's like the the corners of the polygons like shoot off the screen so you got a link to something that fixes yeah yeah the the, i think the, the folks at um PlayOldPCGames.com, uh, they're awesome, by the way, if you haven't gone there. Uh, so for certain games, and they haven't done this for every game yet, but they've made, for this, for this game, they made a replacement installer for specifically Metal Fatigue, which I hmm. used to install it on uh, my Windows 7 64-bit machine, and it runs 
great. I'll put it in the stream chat for you. Um, yeah, those guys are awesome, by the way. Because uh, who doesn't love playing old PC games? I, uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, you. I mean, after this Interstellar stuff, uh, you made uh, what was it White Wolf Games? Is that what it was called? I, I'm blanking. White Wolf Productions. Okay, because there's also that uh, company that made uh, pen and paper role playing games, and I think that was also White Wolf, wasn't that it? That was White Wolf Games. That they was were White Wolf Game. We were White Wolf Productions. There oh, was man. always some over the tube. <laughs> yeah, because we were looking you up the other day and we're like, oh my god, White Wolf. Oh, wait. <laughs> That's a different White Wolf. <laughs> Whoops. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, because I, um, I I only played, I think, The Perfect General 2 from, for, for, of course, Empire 2, like we talked about. But So how did that, how did uh, White Wolf come about? Well, basically, as um, games were getting more complex and so on, the need for more people to work on a game increased. I had a friend that I had done some, who had basically worked for me doing some conversion stuff, Bob Burkowski. And in the early 90s, we basically decided to form a company to develop games. And that ran through most of the nineties, right? Because I think the was it the was a uh, Perfect General two the last game you guys did as 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 that company. I'm thinking we did a couple things after that, but nothing major. Okay. I I don't want to type. I I I would usually type to look it up right now, but since I'm not on push to talk, I don't. I have an old keyboard, you know, one of these guys, and so I don't want to be typing in the middle of other people talking. So I'm just going by memory for the most part. Um, but yeah, there were some. I think there were some um, uh, scenario discs for Perfect General One and Two, as well, if I recall. Yeah. Um, Mm-hmm. And they were very, they were very uh, lauded at the time as well, if I recall. They were very popular at the time. Uh, so, what happened to White Wolf? Uh, why did that? Why did that come to an end? Well, we both decided to go off in different directions, and we had. I am. Um, I don't remember how we were clean of everything, but at one point, we basically didn't have any contracts. We really. We're ready to go off to do something, so it was a nice, clean place to close down the company. Oh, okay. See, you never hear of amicable. You don't. We, we've we've heard other stories about game companies ending and whatnot, and they've never been that amicable. <laughs> like never, they have never been. That oh, we just decided to move on to something else, and, and we could. So <laughs> they have never been that amicable. <laughs> So that's actually refreshing, I have to admit. <laughs> well, my partnership with Bob was very amicable. We were quite different people, but somehow we worked together well. Sometimes those are the people that work uh, the best together. But you continued to make games after that. Because, uh, like, for the for example, Metal Fatigue, which I only started playing recently, because Spaz told me about it. <laughs> I never played it at the time. <laughs> 
the key thing with metal fatigue was I was the AI designer for metal fatigue. Oh, I may have had some influence on the game design itself, but it was almost all AI. Oh, wow. Wow. Indeed. And Spaz, have you played that game to completion? I did not. I, I got about, uh, six or eight of the, actually, no, I, I completed, let's see, the, uh, the beginning campaign. Okay. It's been years since I've gone back to it because, well, I, I didn't have a, a legacy system to run it on. Yeah, no, that's that's totally fair. I mean, you know, some of these old games, they will only work on older systems or virtual machines. Like uh, Stars, for example, you know that 4X game I was playing? Like, you can only run that in a virtual machine, which is crazy. <laughs> Well, back in those days, we were writing games much closer to the the CPU and operating system than you have to now. Oh, really? Any kind of performance. Oh, I didn't know that. So, like, it would have to be for DOS. It would have to be for Atari. It would. It wasn't like. Or I can, I can even take it further. Okay. General. You were ba- primarily writing for the um, 286 at the time. 386 wow. had not come out. Right. And the scroll the screen and get a nice smooth scroll, we went to the CPU and played with the bits. There was a bug in the 286 CPU code. Oh, no. 386, they fixed a bug. And it broke perfect general. Oh, no. It did. Wow. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, because perfect general came out in 91, and there weren't 386s then. Right. Not yet, yet, anyway. Yeah, that was like 92, or I I think. God. CPUs moved much faster back then. I mean, like, development and, like, new ones, like than they do now if I were oh, yeah. like so much faster um, now there now I was I was looking you up on Wikipedia and there was a game that came about in 1996 that I have never heard of before called Galaxis and I cannot find any information anywhere about this so what is Galaxis Galaxis was the 4x game that never was finished Oh, no wonder I can't find anything about it. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. I think I have a couple brochures for it still around. <laughs> what happened to it? Because, you know, 4Xs are awesome. So what happened to it? Basically, the publisher flaked it out. Oh. Oh, yeah, Trimark. I don't remember them doing much after the mid-90s. Yeah, that sounds about right. Another thing that, right part, although we developed it, it just died. Oh, because I'm like that sounds like something I want to play, Galaxis. You know, that sounds like something I totally want to play, and I couldn't find anything on it, and that explains why there because there is 
literally nothing on it except the pamphlets you own. Yeah. <laughs> now, I'm going to be honest. When I saw that you made a game called Dragon Force in 1989, I was really hoping it would be a game about dragons. And then I looked it up and it wasn't. <laughs> it also sounds like it would be a good ninja movie. What was that, Mark? <laughs> Computer Gaming World brought out a list of the 150 best games ever made. Okay. Of which I had three games on that list. Oh. The same issue, they brought out the 50 worst games ever made. Oh. That list. Oh, which games are on the worst one? Is Dragon Force on that one? Dragon yeah. Force was on the 50 worst, yes. Oh, what, wait, what happened? Why? I, don't, I know nothing about it. I'm, I'm insanely curious now. Why? What happened? <laughs> It was a nightmare that just oh, no. was a nightmare. Best I can describe it. Oh no! <laughs> so it deserved to be on the worst fifty games, oh, and man. I kind of took pride. <laughs> I have three on the top one hundred and fifty, and one on the bottom fifty. Oh man! <laughs> oh no! Um... But yeah, I'm, I'm looking at uh, at least a Wikipedia, and you also worked on some racing games. But uh, one thing that I'm really curious about is um, this Sensor Combat the Balkan Cauldron for the Air Force Information Warfare Center in, 19, yes. in 1997. Please explain that. <laughs> what is that? How did that come about? I am insanely curious about that one. Well, I was contacted by the Air Force, or actually a contractor working for the Air Force, that wanted a game to train various um, information warfare skills. They brought me in to design the game. They provided their own programmers and such for it. Um, This was down out out of, um, I think it was Lackland Air Force Base down in Texas, some Air Force Base in Texas. And I spent a year designing that game for them and uh, working with them on it. Wow, that's that's amazing. And so, I mean, what was it? Was it kind of like a uh, was it like an AWACS uh, type thing? Like, well, it was modeling actually the Balkan conflict, uh, which was going on at the time. Oh, uh, right, right. Maintaining various uh, different levels of information warfare and how they interacted and what kind of command and control you might have over it and so on. Oh. Okay. That sounds that sounds actually pretty awesome. Would that have worked as a commercial product or not or not? Was it would it or was probably too boring as a commercial product. Oh, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Because there well, that are makes sense though, because it's it's the simulator, right? Yes. But, but there are some there are some games that are sold to like the military, but they also have like versions that they'll sell to consumers. Like what? Isn't Steel Beast that tank game? Isn't that sold to the military? But there's also a consumer version. I think, Jim, am I right about that? You would you would know more than than I would. I think. Okay. I'm sorry, my sister just called me, so 
I was dealing with that. I only had one earphone in. I'm sorry. No, I was asking, um, I think it's Steel Beasts. They they have a version for the military, but they also have a consumer version as well, right? Yeah. So yep, sure do. So, so that does happen. But it sounds like this, uh, the sensor combat thing, that sounds like that, like you said, that probably would have been too boring. That's a well, shame. Yeah, because you were in designed for uh, um, higher level officers and so on. Oh. So it was doing the large scale decision making. Because you were um, like right out of school, you you were in the Air Force, right? The Strategic Air Command. Were you were you like one of the guys polishing Whopper in the, in the Crystal <laughs> Palace or what? Missiles. Wait, what? I was, uh, I was targeting ICBMs at the Soviets, and actually, I was actually targeting Soviet ICBMs at the U.S. for war gaming purposes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> See, see, he was involved in war games. I told you it was oh Matthew god. Broderick and and all that. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, how did you feel about that movie, War Games? Have you? Sorry, I didn't think of much of that movie. <laughs> I bet. As, Fair enough. As a as a uh, ten eleven year old young man, I loved that movie when it came out. Loved it, but I can imagine if you actually worked in that vibe, you'd be like, "Come on, <laughs> this is ridiculous." Well, it's like it's like me and Firebirds, right? What like everything that Nicolas Cage does wrong with the Apache, and I just cringe. <laughs> like even today, we should do like that, that. That gives me an idea, Jim. We should do like a live, like get on Rabbit and like stream. Firebirds one day and like oh God. just watch and I can, it. I can be like, oh, there's there's this friend of mine and there's yeah, and it, we'll we'll play a game. Like if anybody that can spot me in the movie wins a free copy of um, <laughs> Firebirds. Yeah, yeah, no. just five, it's probably on Amazon for like a dollar or something. Oh God, I I couldn't even finish that movie, Jim. I'm sorry. I know you were. They hardly it. finished the movie. <laughs> Fair point. Oh, sorry. Tangent, folks. Sorry. <laughs> um, but um, but Mark, uh, when you were making all these uh, games, were you playing any of the games that were out at the time that maybe influenced your uh, designs at all? Were there any like seminal? Well, I'm sure I was. I mean, I've always been playing games and so on. So, and obviously, as I pointed out, all art is based on prior art. So, right. yes, my games were based on what how I was influenced by watching other people and so on. So... Right. Oh, yeah, my question was going to be like, do you remember some of the games you were playing back when you were making these other uh, very popular games? I knew you were going to go there. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I remember what I was playing. <laughs> I'll go off. I, I'm trying to complete the loop here. Okay. But I, I, I like Civilization a lot. Oh, okay. Fair. And Civilization. Empire. And then I'm sure... This is where I can't quite complete the loop. 
I am sure I've taken ideas that I took from Civilization and brought into other games. <laughs> I just can't remember exactly. Well, influences Civilization, which influences some other game of mine. Yeah, like I, because I do know people who told me that they felt that Empire influenced a lot of Civilization's uh, design uh, as well. Which, uh, I'll admit, I never played the first Civilization. I went right to the second one. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest. I got into strategy games much later uh, than I did other types of games. And so, like like I said, like I think, yeah, Perfect General uh, 2 was one of the first war games I ever played. And that was 94. So I missed, mm-hmm. a, I missed a lot. I think it was that and... Was that one from SSI uh, Age of Rifles, the war game construction what? set? Oh, wow. SSI yeah. put out a lot of war games. Yeah, oh, yes they did. Nights. Yes they did. I was, I became a huge fan of theirs uh, once I started getting into strategy and war games. Huge fan. <laughs> oh, and I, I didn't even realize that. Um, like the Empire games were uh, published by New World, who also published uh, the Might and Magic games, like Heroes of Might and Magic and whatnot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. How were they to work with? Because they made a lot. They were very busy in the nineties. So how were they to work with? I really liked working with a uh, company to work with. Yeah, because they put out a lot of legendary stuff, like the Heroes of Might and Magic games, the Might and Magic role-playing games. Like, they put out so much stuff in... I mean, are they still going? No, they're not. They were purchased by 3DO in 96? Wow. And yet, Might and Magic... And then the principles went away, and once the principles went away, the whole New World just became another company. Yeah, but they put out a lot of great stuff for a while. Man, this is talking about older games like this really has me reminiscing for like a lot of these companies that don't exist anymore, like New World, like SSI, like Microprose. You know, I mean, it's a different era, I know, but like, I kind of miss it in some ways, you know? Like, gaming was so different back then. Oh, yeah. Like, um, like if for for years, like if I recall correctly, you can only get games in specialty stores like Egghead and Babbage's and stuff. Um, for a long time, that was true, right? And then Walmart started carrying games and forced everyone. Uh, if you note, at some point, all the game boxes became all the same. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they all became those, Yeah, they all became DVD sized, and like the manuals were scrunched down, and it was it was really annoying. Yeah, I, I hated yeah, that. So there's, and that's tied directly to Walmart Trump with their big stick that can control the market. Oh, that's a good point. And they wanted uniformity. Yeah, so there was a guy. Um, his name is Rob Westmoreland, and he was the purchasing guy nationally for Walmart. Okay. Um, story, story about him briefly. So I got to sit down to dinner with him, and he was talking about Deer Hunter. 
and uh, he turns out he's the guy that invented Deer Hunter. What? And uh, but he but he was a marketing guy, not a game programmer. And he said, "Yeah, well, he he was trying to figure out, you know, what can we sell." Because people come in here and our customers, right? It's Walmart, Rednecks. What can we sell the Rednecks <laughs> in Walmart that have computers? And he was like, I know, a deer hunting game. So he, he came up with the orange box with the deer head silhouette and, and put it up on a shelf and stood back across the store from it, you know, and was like, yep, I can see that over there. And I know that's a deer hunting game. And then he was just like, all right, now I got to find somebody that can write me a deer hunting game and put it in my box. And, uh, <laughs> And the the Ferrari that he pulled up in is a testament to how well that game sold. <laughs> oh my god, I, ugh, it's it's kind of sad in a way, but you can't be mad about that. You know what I mean? Like I would, no, not at all. I mean, I I wouldn't play Deer Hunter. I have no interest in that. But more power to him if you can make a product like that. Oh my god! Yeah, so the whenever we had the the uh, space tyrant guys on, the guy that um, I I believe it's the guy that's CEO of that company, because um, his wife was there too, or partner or whatever. I don't know if they're married or or whatever, but I think they got kids together now. Um, but yeah, it, it was like she was there with uh, with um, another guy named Rob, his wife. They were buddies, and it was just like all we were all just hanging out at Taco Night. Oh my gosh! So, um, so yeah, you uh, worked on some other games into the mid aughts, and then what? What got you? I mean, a- according to what I'm reading, anyway, uh, it looks like the last game you made was um, oh, where was it? God damn it! <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, the last game you worked on was Trains. Was yeah, I worked on some scenarios for Trains. Oh, okay. Wow! Yeah, I saw that. I saw that you were with Team Seventeen and worked on like some of the Worms games, and uh, and most importantly, the Alien Breed stuff. And I I got psyched up. I was like, "Oh man, Alien Breed!" Because I had that on like on the Amiga. That was my go-to game back then. But it turns out it's actually the newer Alien Breeds, like uh, what two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when those got made. Well, I have to make a correction there. I had nothing to do with Worms. Oh, okay. I don't know. I know that somehow my name has gotten linked to that game huh. and some others. I don't have the slightest idea how it happened. Okay. Yeah, because if you go to Moby Games and you look up your profile, you're listed on... It says uh, I was involved in Worms. Yeah, several Worms games. Yes. I, I think three or four of them. Three. Three of them. Yeah. Three Worms. So I have Absolutely no idea. Well, okay. just cash the, cash the check when it shows up anyway. Because <laughs> yeah. I will. Um, but you also worked on, and this is, uh, I think, probably one of the more divergent titles of your catalog here, uh, NHRA Drag Racing Main Event. in to run the um, development part of a company called Moto One. Down in uh, Houston, I mean, in uh, Dallas, Texas. And okay. so I was in charge of product development for the company. So I did a number of um, car racing games for them because that was their. Oh. Okay, that kind of makes sense. 
Uh, it has you as lead. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, this... Yeah, you might want to look at the... Um, yeah, you might want to look at your uh, Moby Games profile. Because there's a bunch of Worm games on here. Apparently they have you listed as lead QA on Worms Armageddon. Uh, no. <laughs> and quality assurance... And it was only one game, but... <laughs> And they also have you a QA on uh, Worms 2 as well. So, yeah, maybe you want to try to correct that if that's not accurate. Uh, let's see, what else did you work on? You've worked, you've had, because you've had quite the career. Like, what is, um, there was one here I wanted to ask about. Um, uh, no, 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 where is it? 1991. Ancients, Ancients 1, Death Watch. Never heard of it. Well, apparently they said you worked on it. Uh, ah! <laughs> uh, wow, okay. Apparently they have you as a programmer on that game. Is there another Mark Baldwin out there that they might be confusing? There, there, are, there are multiple Mark Baldwins, yeah. If you, if you look <laughs> and. Oh, that's funny. I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep misattributing your career. I'm just going on the information. <laughs> You what just, do they know that you, you just don't? blame it on like a weekend drinking binge or something? It's just like, I don't know, man. I, I got up Monday. Fell asleep one day, and then the next day a game was made, and so now you were involved. <laughs> How did that happen? Uh, we could write games much faster then. Oh, really? Yeah, because. <laughs> Been at Elmer Drunken Stuber and over a weekend, and you got a game. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Oh my god. Uh, apparently, this thing also says you're mentioned as a special thanks to for High Command Europe. Uh, which is a is that a microprose game? Yeah. No, 360 Pacific. Apparently, you're mentioned in the special thanks of that game. I guess anything that happened with 316 well, I, PPP. He was I in mean, the building. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for holding the door for me that one day. <laughs> it's like the it's like the early days of Atari, right? Like nobody really remembers who made anything there. It was just like we were all there. And so so I know these are all your babies, but let's out of these um I have like the Starfleet and the Empires and the Perfect Generals. What would you say is the game you're most proud of? Empire Deluxe, I think. Oh, is that why it's still going strong even to this day? Because it seems like it's not just you. It seems like that's the one that a lot of people look at most fondly in that series. It's putting the game, a game together, a good game. Is very much a process of taking a lot of pieces and getting them to juggle with each other and juggle well. This is a, a game design. It's not programming. It's game design I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. Okay. And with Empire Deluxe, I think I got that juggling better than any other game I've ever done. Oh, wow. Wow. No, no, no wonder. It's, it's the, no wonder that Kickstarter... That just happened. I think they brought in three times what their goal was, I think. Last I heard, yes. Which is, 
I mean, they had a fairly modest goal, which is which is great. That's how Kickstarter seem to work these days. Um, but yeah, the fact that they went triple past it is just amazing. You know that is that is pretty great. Um, have you played uh, the Killer Bee software version of your game? Not for a while now. Oh, okay. But th- but that's awesome that not only were you aware of the Kickstarter, but you, you backed it as well. I'll have to play this more. Well, I'm getting licenses for the new ones, so I'll have to play those. I've been yeah, looking... I've often... Sorry, go ahead. I've often wondered why, um, like, the suitability of a game like Perfect General to the tablet market would be amazing. So I've, I've often wondered why nobody has stepped up and, and tried to do, like, a reboot of Perfect General for that. Because oh. the, the touch interface would be just perfect for that, and the pacing and everything, and it's it's simplistic yet deep in the puzzle stuff. But it's not like you know, it's there's a difference between you, you sit down with Perfect General or you sit down with some Gary Grigsby Eastern Front stuff, right? So the approachability. Yeah, I like having more approachability than the heavy Gary Gygax stuff and that kind of things. Um, oh, I wanted a clean system that really brought into the feel for what I was looking for and the interesting decision making. Right, and 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 yeah, that's, that's the thing about your games is I mean they're deep, they're detailed of the Empire and Perfect General games at least, but they're also very accessible. You know, like. Even for a youngin like me who had never played strategy games, I was not. It was not hard to just jump right in to uh, Perfect General Two and Empire Two and play them. Yeah, and I, w- I would say like uh, when Nintendo did Advanced Wars, I saw immediately like that's mm-hmm. very heavily. Mm-hmm. It's heavily influenced not only by that but Blue Bites Battle Isle, mm. also back in the day. Yeah, good callback. Which there's there's a uh, a really close translation of uh, of Battle Isle. It's called uh, uh, Good Little War Game, Great Little War Game, something like that. Feels oh, really? feels just like Battle Isle to yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. Is that on Steam? Uh, there's there's they, one on been, Steam. There is one on Steam, but they've mostly been on mobile. Yeah, but it's um, called Great Big War Game on Steam because it's bigger. I have to look that yeah, up I because. Oh, I have to pl- I have to play that because I I do love I do love I loved Advance Wars love loved Advanced Wars <laughs> so yeah I can totally see uh, the uh, legacy of of uh, especially Perfect General now how did the Perfect General games come about? Well, there was a uh, new publisher. Uh, who wanted to basically get into the game publishing business. He had some ideas for games, and he contacted White Wolf and uh, from a tactical tank game, and he had some ideas for it, and we looked at those ideas, and then I developed the game design based on it. Say again? Uh, what? Where'd you lose me? Oh, no, uh, he's, he's the, he developed the game design for it, and that became Perfect General. Okay, I didn't hear that last part, which is weird. 
Um, yeah. So perfect general was when, when you were creating the scenarios for that, were you looking at, at it as sort of like a, a chess puzzle sort of thing or, uh, was it a, was it a thing like, okay, here, here's the intended solution to this or was it more free form than that? Cause I, I kind of took it as, as like, well, here's a scenario and there, there's a way to win this, especially when it got harder. No, these were, well, the scenarios were primarily designed, um, most of them were based on historic battles and so on. Mm. The um, uh, historic influence of that. And actually, that's some of the ideas which led me into Empire 2 as well. Um, Originally, I mean, the scenario idea goes all the way back to Empire Deluxe, where I brought out a scenario disc. Right. Uh, historic battles and also with that uh, scenario disc I brought in a bunch of uh, different game designers and other famous people scenarios for me so I probably created the first anthology scenario disc hmm so so you're to blame for all those Duke Nukem CDs (laughs) were at Walmart back in the day I don't know. Do you remember that Brian when when they had like oh god two, or or Quake five thousand Quake levels yeah on CD yeah. yeah it was Duke Nukem it was Quake um it was Doom also like eighteen million Doom levels that that other people made that we didn't pay them for we're gonna put them on a disc yeah. and and sell them yay it's like, yeah but I, I looked at the list of names that was in that was in your anthology and that was some pretty well known folks back then. Yeah, I was going to mention that. I mean, there was um, Will Wright was on it. Sid Meier was on it. Uh, Jerry Purnell was on it. What? <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, there were some people on there. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard of that Sid guy before. That's that's. I didn't know that. I mean, again, I didn't play Empire Deluxe, but I didn't know that the... Uh, the scenario disc was like a, uh, a compilation of such luminaries. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've been trying to get a boxed copy of Empire Deluxe uh, for a while because um, I want the manual. <laughs> I want the printed <laughs> manual. And uh, and I keep seeing this scenario thing pop up. I'm like, why do I need that? Well, now I kind of understand why I need that. Uh, I wonder if they'll work with the new one. Probably not. <laughs> so that would, um, that would yeah, be awesome I don't if they know. did. Probably not. I mean, who has a floppy drive anymore? I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a floppy drive. My data format for the uh, scenarios was fairly clean and simple, so I just don't know if Mark Kincaid's completely changed the uh, data format or is using the same data format. I don't know either. I should look that up because I'm very curious. Um, so we've talked about all the games you've made, uh, but you, you seem you seem to like you're still playing games now. It sounds like you're still you're still playing games now. So what are some of the games you're playing today that have you enthralled? Well, let's see. I'm still suckered into The Simpsons. Wait, what? Uh, it's an iOS game, The Simpsons. 
tapped um, Simpsons tapped out, I think, or something like that. Okay, yeah, that's it. I have never heard of this. It's a freebie game that I have been playing for three or four years. I got my wife addicted <laughs> to it too. I think I gotta quit because it's meaningless tapping. Quit. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> You know, the thing I was really shocked by was uh, with esports, right? Because I, I googled like what what was the number one esport, and I figured, well, that's going to be like Dota or League of Legends or you know something, maybe Counter Strike. Turns out, uh, it's actually Candy Crush on what? the mobile platform. Yeah, they, they, it's actually televised. Like I think it was CBS ran like a, a series where they were playing like Candy Crush tournaments on television. And it's like that's the most televised esport now, if you could call it that. Oh my god! I was shocked. I had I had to go lay down after I read that. <laughs> well, once I get my new Android phone in a, hopefully about a week or so, I will definitely because I have an old Android phone. I will definitely. Did, it, did I tell you about Joan's phone? No, she, what happened? She uh, it committed suicide in the car. Um, it was what? like humid in Ohio. She left it in the car overnight, and the case that it had on it, it drew, like drew moisture, enough moisture to kill the phone. No. She lied, and she dropped it in the toilet, one or the other. <laughs> um, but anyway, so you know, and this is like an $800 HTC M9, right? So I, I, I wept. and uh, <laughs> oh, no. But she needs a phone, because if she's going to get back, she's got to have GPS. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's like, okay, we'll go to Walmart, see what you can get. She ended up with a uh, an Alcatel for twenty nine dollars. Oh what? Right? And yeah, they, you can buy a smartphone twenty nine bucks. Oh wow! It, it's one of those track phone prepaids, but you don't have to buy the plan. So thirty bucks. She pulled her SIM card out of the dead phone, stuck it in that, and she's off. It, <laughs> it, it's just like so. Now I feel like that other phone was about seven hundred and seventy dollars overpriced because she's like, well, I can't really tell a difference between them other than the case was metal on the other one, and this one's plastic. It's like okey <laughs> Oh, so man. there you go, Brian. You do for a new phone. Go down to Walmart, thirty bucks. No, I'm actually a used iPhone user. I buy used iPhones off eBay. <laughs> There's a good market for those, right? Because they don't really lose their value. Uh, iPhones. So are you, are you using like a five, a six, a four? What what version of iPhone are you up to? Five S. Uh, okay, and yeah, really- I, I'm convinced. Like the the form factor of the four and the four S is like right where I want a phone to be. Because the five, they made it a little taller, but it, it's really like the four. I just wish that I could find a decent Android phone that was that size, just a four inch thing. They some there's like Sony has one, but it's like a four hundred dollar phone. And, and it's like, yeah, I don't want to really do that. But if I could find a budget one to switch to, I would totally do it. Um, I, I made the mistake of getting a uh, an Xperia like X, which is basically like carrying a Pop Tart around in your pocket. And uh, I, I was scared to sit down with it in my pocket for fear I'd just bend it in half. <laughs> it was huge. It's like you need a big pocket for that phone. And uh, now I'm kind of to the other extreme where I just want like the most minimal thing. Hmm. <laughs> Because it's like I got a tablet, I don't need the phone to be a tablet, and that's that seems to be where they're headed, you know. 
or you could hold an iPhone up to your head like you're talking yeah. on it, and then tell people you shrank. It's like uh, I'm shrinking. Uh, sorry. Um, so is that is that like? Do you primarily play on mobile now, or do you have any PC games? You're you're you're. Yeah, I am. I am playing a more serious game than The Simpsons. Okay. I'm playing XCOM Two. Oh, oh yes. Did yeah, you, get- you can't <laughs> stop at, at a mobile game because then you get labeled a filthy casual. And then, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's like the awesome. god the Godfather of gaming, and now he's a filthy casual. Sorry, so, you're playing War of the You've redeemed yourself. What was uh, the question? Are you playing War of the Chosen? The, yeah, the, the new, the new came yeah, it just came out today. Hmm. I've been working all day. <laughs> oh, okay. No, it just it just came out today, and uh, yeah, it seriously a, changes the campaign. It, 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 it's an excellent expansion. So, whenever they came out with the. Uh, whatever the one was that had like the hero bosses that kind of broke the game to me because it's like at any point, one of those super aliens could show up and, and just wreck you. Mm. So did it, did this tone them down or did it just bring your stuff up to their level? A little bit of both. They can still show up at random. You don't know whether or not they're going to be there. Although you do get a warning as to whether or not they might show up. Oh, okay. Yeah, because there was one time I was like in the like the fifth mission, and like the King Viper dude showed up, and that was the end of my whole squad. Oh man! Well, the game can be brutal. That's kind of the point. I might need to play, try to play more, maybe if I can get over myself. (laughs) (laughs) I I I try to play those. It's like I don't want to kill my guys, and I just stop because I I'm too. Terrified about killing people that don't so exist. What you, do. <laughs> you, you have to accept that some of your squad members are going to die. No, yeah, I'm not going to accept that. I'm not going to accept that, so I'm just not going to play, so well, therefore no one dies. Therefore no one the, dies. The other way to go is mods and save scumming so that you don't actually end up having them die. And you can totally do that too. Or you, or you name them after your friends and relatives, and then you feel really That's bad. exactly what I'm not doing. <laughs> it's exactly, I'm, I gotta do the opposite of that. I should name it after people I don't like. Of which there aren't many, but, you know. <laughs> uh, but we should start wrapping up, because uh, some of us have to get dinner. <laughs> but, uh, Mark... I want to thank yeah. you for uh, taking the time to talk to us tonight. Uh, it's been great getting your perspective on uh, on these classic games that so many of us love, and uh, it's it's also great to talk to you on like the eve of this Kickstarter that kind of continues that legacy. So that that was that was pretty awesome, and I'm sure it was really satisfying to see uh, so many people backing that Kickstarter for something you helped create. You know. Yeah. It is satisfying to still see Empire running around and being enjoyed years later. Yeah, it so is. I really can't wait to get the uh, combined edition. I'm I'm super excited, and I I, I paid enough to get uh, licenses for like all their games, so I'm going to be paying Perfect General too. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited to be diving into those. Um, but folks, that does it for this episode. Uh, Thursday. 
Uh, just a couple of quick programming notes. Thursday, we were going to be playing Battlefront 2 because that's what the wheel chose. But the uh, person who specifically requested we put that on the list can't make it. So we're going to do that later. <laughs> so we are going to return to a game we had a fabulous time with last time, Deep Rock Galactic. Uh, we're going to be doing some co-op of that because that game is a blast. Oh, yes. oh. And it just had a major update. Yeah, major um, update. Some new stuff. Major update, oh, really? right? Yeah, like yeah. they added they added a f- few new monsters, I think, and they've got like um, maggots running around now. Uh, uh, yeah, because I watched their Discord and I, I hadn't seen them say anything, but I haven't been in there for a few days. So yeah, it just but came I out was, like I was wondering. It's like it's been like two months and we haven't heard a peep. And yeah, no, it just so, came out like okay, this is right on time. Two days ago, so it was the last it, update. Yeah. yeah. And then next uh, next week we have an early morning podcast because well early morning for Spaz and I especially because our guests are I forget where but they're overseas. Uh, we're going to be talking to the folks behind the uh, Spacey survival game Hellion Hellion Hellion. I don't know how you say it Hellion Hellion. Sure, let's go oh, with really? that. Are they are they ready to talk yet? Because yeah, we're having I, them. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, that thing's still pretty rough. So I, I, they, I think they just had an update for it, like within the last couple of weeks. I think they had a fairly big update, or maybe I'm thinking Project Osiris, which is a very similar game that just had an update like today. Osiris just had a major update today. Yeah, yeah, but I think Hellion had an update like within the last couple of weeks, last month. Got, yeah, the last month is a blur, so I don't remember. But I think they had an update recently. <laughs> okay, they came out with that thing. It was super early. But, yeah. It, yeah, you know, it was oh, it, way early. It so. ran like garbage on my machine, so I'm hoping it runs better because I have to make video of it. Um, so that's who we're going to have on next week. So again, Mark, thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about all these great games. And we're, we're, we should probably do another show at some point where we have both you and Trevor on. I know it's a lot of Starfleet folks, but you got to understand how seminal Starfleet is to like space gaming in general. Really? So it's worth having a few shows on. Seriously. Um, so, uh, yeah, Mark, uh, thanks for joining us. Jim and uh, Spaz, thanks for being co-hosts. And we got to find out where Hunter is. What the hell happened to Hunter? I hope he's okay. Like, hopefully he's not... Yeah, I'm sure he's fine, because he was online, like, a half hour before we started. Yeah, I talked to him about... had something come up. I talked to him about the possible Eve Valkyrie show that we're going to be doing, hopefully, next month. Um... So uh, hopefully he's okay. But uh, everyone, thank you so much for uh, watching and listening, and we will see you next time. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye. Night.